0: Welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function Today, I'm joined again by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So welcome back to the podcast again, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you on
1: to talk about such an important topic. Thank you very much, Sophie. And the pleasure is all mine. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it.
0: So in this week's episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about Pride Month, which runs throughout the month of June. And this is celebrated each year in June to honour the 1969 Stonewall Uprising in Manhattan. And in pre-pandemic times, this was widely celebrated with LGBT plus pride marches in big cities like London and also festivals, among other things. However, some of these live events have sadly been either postponed or cancelled this year in light of the coronavirus crisis. So, for example, an iNews report was explaining that plans for the Brighton & Hove Pride's community parade, Pride Village Party and Pride Festival, which was due to take place in early August, have now been cancelled due to COVID-19. And My London also reported that London Pride, which usually takes place in summer, has now been moved to September in 2021. Also, when we're kind of reflecting on pre-pandemic times, there were many things that employers would traditionally have done to celebrate Pride Month, whether this was throwing a party, um, organising fundraisers to help LGBT plus charities or something else to mark the occasion – But given that many office-based employees are continuing to work from home in light of the coronavirus crisis, once again, and like last year, the people function should be thinking about how they can promote Pride celebrations in a virtual sense when colleagues can't all be together physically. But before we share some examples of the ways that HR and employees are celebrating Pride Month in 2021, I thought it would be useful to look at why it's important to celebrate Pride, as well as some of the historic and pandemic-related challenges that the LGBT plus community have faced in the workplace. So, Dan, I think you've got a bit more on that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Soph. So, I guess at the foundation of what Pride is all about and what it should do now is simply put... It's important to celebrate or recognize this month because it's, in quite straightforward terms, morally unconscionable that anybody, regardless of sexuality, gender, identity, is put in danger or has less access to making a living or creating a safe life or workspace or, or isn't listened to or doesn't have access to things because, because of those characteristics. If I move forward on from that and put it into a bit of context... Pride should be about learning about some of the inequalities that still exist because of sexuality, sexual orientation or gender, and focusing on the challenges that the LGBT plus community face, learning how to better support them and, then, and and listen and learn from them as well, and take on board what some of the blockers to change might be. Emma Cosmin, who's Associate Director of Workplace Client Relationships at Stonewall, told us actually before this podcast that pride is a really good chance to celebrate and support lesbian gay bi trans and queer people all over the world many of us spend our lives at work and all employers have a vital role to play in ensuring that lgbt plus staff feel they are able to be themselves at work which i think is a very very effective and concise way of saying for businesses at least that pride is about learning how to support your staff from this community but why should there be an entire month focused on the LGBT plus community? Well, simply put, they do not have, and there's lots of different sub-communities within this, so I'm not trying to pull them all together because I realise there's lots of different challenges that, say, the gay community might face that are different from the trans community, but when we pull them together there are still many countries in the world that criminalise and oppress LGBT plus people, including 11 countries that use the death penalty against them. And although in the UK we might think, I'm aware, that the podcast audience is usually UK-based, that we're a much more LGBT plus inclusive country, we have gender recognition, we have civil partnerships, anti-discrimination and equality laws and protections, we still have a long way to go. So, for example, violent crimes against this community are on the increase, 80% 80% of hate crimes go unreported still. That's a Stonewall stat because LGBT plus people think it just won't get listened to. And many are still um, scared to show their identity in public. In fact, it's all led to the Diversity Trust, who are uk based DI specialists, which will interest at HR, to say just last year, we need Pride Months now more than ever to support our communities, to educate and inform wider society about the harm and damage that homophobia, biphobia and transphobia has on all of us that again is really really compelling argument that says pride is about learning is about learning how to better protect this these communities for the better of all of us so what if i focus on work which is where hr will be interested why do we need pride month at work considering that maybe the uk has come a long way on its uh, inclusivity journey well actually there's still some damning stats around the experience of lgbt plus employees in the workplace now They are more likely to experience workplace conflict and harassment than heterosexual or cisgender counterparts. In addition, many more feel psychologically unsafe in the workplace compared to heterosexual workers. And for for trans workers and employees specifically, up to 20% feel psychologically unsafe at work. That's one in five. That's a massive number. In fact, nearly 7 in 10 LGBT plus workers have been sexually harassed or assaulted at work. That's a CIPD stat. And more than one in five respondents to a CIPD study that came out earlier this year had a negative or mixed reaction from others, others being like colleagues, coworkers, managers there, because of their identity. That's really, really, really bad. And over three quarters who had experienced a serious workplace incident related to their sexuality said they didn't report it because they didn't think anything would happen or change. So... Why should HR, why should employers be interested in this? Of course, as a moral argument, this is 2021, it is absolutely damning that equality isn't just a state of play for everyone. Everyone deserves a positive life and a positive work experience. When we break that down not just to wider life but to to work, CIPD did some work last year about what good work looks like and it looked at job quality, pay, whether it gives someone the chance to have a good living, offers further opportunities, provides supports, gives a better work-life balance and gives employees the space to be physically or mentally healthy, everything to do with well-being. If we put that against what I've just described for the typical LGBT plus experience, it shows there is still some way to go in the UK to creating good work for this community and for these peoples. Yet, HR should know that there is correlation between better inclusivity, better well-being at work, better support, better diversity and better business outcomes. There are so many studies out there, all the way from Josh Burst and stuff to consultancy group stuff to even some of the CIBD's work that show this. So HR know they should be on top of this, not just for the moral argument, for the business argument as well. And does this give you a flavour of those outcomes? So there's academic research from the Human Resource Management Journal shows that when LGBT plus employees feel they are supported, that their well-being is supported, et cetera, et cetera, they feel generally more positive about work, which is likely to lead to better engagement. And we all know what that means in HR and business terms as well. It's just better outcomes. And that all leads to back towards what Pride Month should be doing. So I'm trying to go full circle here. So so it's say if it's showing you that you're not doing it enough and it, then it's you focusing on some of the things that you can do for this community. Prime Month is about learning or reflecting on what you're doing, looking at the support you offer or don't offer, and then making you think where you can get better. In fact, maybe this podcast can be part of that learning. Maybe because it's Pride Month and you can see Pride in the headline of this podcast, you think, right, I'm going to listen to that because I want to learn about how getting better policies or practices in the workplace around this or getting better anti-discrimination can boost productivity and boost the performance of employees and that can ease coming out of work, all of these things that tie up together. In fact, and again, come back to Stonewall's Emma Cosmin, This is her reflection on Pride Month. It's a chance for businesses of all sizes to champion LGBT plus people in their workforce. And she mentions implementing small changes such as creating networks at work, ensuring policies are inclusive. And then finally, she signs off by saying and then celebrating LGBT plus colleagues during Pride Month. So it's everything apart from learning to better supporting to celebrating. And I think that's a really, really nice way of summing it all up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that kind of brings us on nicely to what different employers out there are doing this year um, in terms of celebrating Pride Month. So, before the podcast, I spoke to several different employers just to find out kind of what they're doing during this time, and one of those experts included Ben Jackson, who is head of operational projects and LGBTQ plus network lead at Wix. And Ben was essentially explaining that with few live Pride events happening again this year in light of the pandemic, they wanted to use the month to celebrate some of the progress that they've made and encourage staff to get involved. Before the podcast, Ben told me, in June, we'll be opening up 10 digital ally workshops, which will be available to colleagues at all levels to help them drive change for LGBT plus community in Wix. We will also be encouraging our colleagues to update their name tags, email signatures and social media profiles to include their preferred pronouns and education to all on why this is so important. We also have planned a Pride party which will host across our stores and distribution centres on Saturday the 26th of June. Watch out for more details on that. And Ben finished off by saying that an additional and important thing that they are doing is communicating with colleagues about the anniversary of the Stonewall riots, sharing stories and history of the event itself. Ben finished off by saying all of this activity during June will be underpinned by a hashtag proud moment campaign in which they are encouraging colleagues to share their proud moments via our internal channels through video pictures or written stories. So it seems that there's lots of different things going on at Wix this year when it comes to Pride Month. Also before the podcast, we were lucky enough to chat to Wendy Sedig, who is the Director of Talent and Culture at Premier Foods. Premier Foods is a food manufacturer with Ambrosia, Bisto and Mr. Kipling within its portfolio. And Wendy was essentially explaining that the company is shining an even greater light on their strategy and belief that it is hashtag OK to be me. Before the podcast, when he was explaining to me, we are committed to providing the right environment for our colleagues to be their true, authentic selves every day. But Pride Month gives us the opportunity to celebrate this further. In addition to small changes, such as updating the colours of our Premier Foods logo, we have planned two virtual storytelling sessions to support our theme of allyship. And she went on to explain... The first is from our own colleagues sharing personal experiences and the second is from motivational speaker and ex-RAF pilot Matt Lindley demonstrating how cultures can change and the role each of us needs to play in achieving this. So I think that's quite a nice example from Premier Foodset around virtual storytelling sessions, particularly around their theme of allyship. So I think it's been really good to kind of get some some ideas and insights from several different brands about how they are celebrating Pride Month at Work and the LGBT plus community more generally. So aside from the moral obligations of supporting colleagues, what legal obligations do employers in HR have to supporting the LGBT plus community at work, Dan?
1: I like that you touched on moral obligation there, so because I think, yeah, primarily, as we've both touched on, a lot of businesses do feel there is a a moral obligation to support staff. Things as simple as looking after their well-being of the individuals involved. There's also the business imperative, where I made links between, you know, diverse practice, inclusive practice, especially towards employees from the LGBT plus community and better business outcomes. There's also, I think, just before I get into some of the, the legal protections, It's good practice from just a earnest HR perspective to ensure that some of your support protections and policies do work. And I think the flip side of of this is that if they don't, you'll have a lot of disengaged staff and potentially even mentally damaged staff walking away. Uh, What's worrying is that 40% of LGBT plus staff currently feel that their organisation's policies are inadequate when it comes to support or protection. But As you asked, you said, what legal protections or what from a legal perspective what do businesses have to do? Well, most listeners to this podcast probably know a little bit about the Equality Act twenty ten already. When that's put through the LGBT plus lens it protects against discrimination against things like gender, sex or sexual orientation. Business obviously doesn't want to discriminate against these characteristics for a variety of reasons. They can damage the individual involved, which is obviously the primary concern. Also, the organisation as well. They don't want to lose talent because they have discriminated. They don't want to end up in a potential employment tribunal. And of increasing importance is new talent... And and incumbent talent is always interested in what their business is doing from an ethical standpoint, i.e. are they protecting a diverse array of employees and engaging through all their processes. When it comes to the T part of LGBT plus trans community. Employees have a legal duty to ensure there isn't any gender reassignment discrimination at work. And what this means is it refers to any stage of the process for trans men and trans women. There doesn't have to be any medical process that's gone through there. It is literally about identity. There's also something that's, you know, pretty small thing called the Equality and Human Rights Commission, which despite Brexit, the UK is still committed to. And this offers guidance to businesses and employers on how they protect and support different sexual orientations at work. And it also gives guidance on how to follow through on the Equality Act and how not to be discriminatory as well. Obviously... This is really, really important because, say, it got to an employment tribunal over an alleged act of discrimination for an employer. Failure to follow this guidance is likely to be taken into account at the interview or tribunal stage. So that's really, really important. It's also important that employers understand, and and this is enshrined in law, different types of discriminations, victimisation, harassment, and what can be done to protect against these. I think, actually... Now there's like a, those are the top lines of the law that exists in place here. What that should do is cohere businesses thinking into, okay, so what should I do to ensure that I don't fall foul foul of the law here? Wonderfully, there's lots of help out there. CIPD is a good place to start, but it, you know all over the internet, from from Stonewall to Diversity Trust, to various like blogs of business leaders and workers as well. There's so much good content out there, including our own as well, about how to build a solid inclusion policy how to get the mindset to be willing to learn and get better and then deliver these into actions across the company, whether it comes to LGBT plus inclusivity or celebration, how to deliver comms and training and review your own employment practices in this area, and then how to make sure that work as a whole is better for all people. And I think to come back to your original question for me, Soph, which is, well, why should we bother thinking or celebrating about pride? That is the reason, isn't it? It's a really good moment for companies and businesses to reflect on what they are doing, what they have to do morally, legally, and for business reasons, and then how they can get better and what help is out there to ensure that they do this. And I think that, in a nutshell, is why it's important for me.
0: Well, thank you for sharing those insights with us. But unfortunately, that's all we do have time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.